Welcome to the family that podcasts together. Um, and this is the first edition of Reads Together. Because um, we're reading Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. This time we read chapters one and the introduction. <laughs> the introduction and chapter yeah, one. You said it backwards. <laughs> I forgot what the other part was. Yep. And then said it. Yep. And we have no idea how we're going to start this. Nope, no clue. So. Turn the page when you hear this sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that the sound? Yeah, yeah. the clinking. Of <laughs> you can hear my teeth clinking. I know. I was like, I was like he doesn't have ice in there. What's he clinking? <laughs> my teeth. But I guess we talked last week about why we're reading this book. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, the first line of the introduction is while we're reading it. Yeah. This is a book about the heart of Christ. And yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that got me was the second paragraph. <laughs> right. Because I'm immediately weary, disenchanted, cynical, empty. <laughs> Those right. running on fumes. Yeah. Uh, I wrote above cynical. I put hashtag called out. <laughs> Right. Because going into this, I was like, I'm not going to like this. Like, <laughs> and then they call you out. I don't out. care anything for this. And I was like, dang it. Yeah, I was um, I was like, when Alex first asked me to read it, like a long time ago, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> another Christian book. It's going to tell me how I need to be. And yep. Yeah. Well, that's because every time I try to start a <laughs> devotional. I'll read it, and I'm like, dang it, they sound just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I felt understood. <laughs> yeah, this seems different. Yeah. Dead air. <laughs> <laughs> so you were going to start a conversation. I do, I'm going to try to listen okay. as much as I can, because once um, I get going, it's going to be... <laughs> one thing, because on the first page, I had to Google a word. Oh, I did too. Parsimonious. Oh, yeah. oh, look. Underneath it, I have the word frugal written. Oh, yeah. I wrote stingy I wrote in the stingy. same spot. Yeah, no, frugal right there. Yeah. yeah. No, I Googled it. Yeah. Because that's how this freaking book is. You know how many words are in there? There are a lot of big oh, words. Oh, there's in this one, one that I totally want to re quote what their quote was. I'm like, oh, y'all made that way too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I just want to say that I'm reading on a Kindle. So I touch the word. And it gives me the definition. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm reading in a book and the word touched me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that word, it says at the bottom of the first page, um, we look at our lives and know how to interpret the data only by concluding that God is fundamentally parsimonious, which means stingy or frugal. Yeah. Right there on the first page. So. Yeah. Parsimonious. Parsimonious. I'm totally going to start throwing that out every chance I get. <laughs> What's a parsimony? Yeah, I totally ruin it. Uh, I don't know. Isn't that a flower? I don't think so. No. Almost sounds like no, a persimmon work. is a fruit. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. Of. <laughs> persimmon <laughs> is a fruit. That's it what wrong. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think for me the, which this is the second time I've read it, but um, I'm following this up. We, I just did a Bible study with a group of girls on um, Elijah, which is very Old Testament smiting God. <laughs> So, on the second page, it says, does Christ relate to us differently than the Father or the Spirit relates to us? Um, And yet again, how does Christ's heart fit with what we find in the Old Testament and its portrait of God? And this is 
Like, I've heard people before say they struggle with the idea of Old Testament God, and I never really thought about it. Like, that wasn't a thing that I questioned, but this year I've been like, I can't, I can't wrap my head around a loving God with a God who's like, kill all of the women and children too. <laughs> like, like an Anakin God. Like, yeah. don't leave any survivors. Um, so this, upon this reading, like that's where my brain's at is reconciling those two things. Romans, that's your book. Yeah. I know all of the answers because I've yeah. heard them before, but yeah. I've never felt the questions before. Yeah. So this is new. This is new terrain for me. I don't know. For me, there was a transition of coming out of the, the, I don't know, I guess I remember the struggle of going through, moving from the idea of the Old Testament God to the gracious, loving, compassionate, mm-hmm. empathetic God. And so, like, oh, well, that. I had I, I had the big struggle of the New Testament God. It wasn't the struggle the other direction. It was right. the struggle, you know, that that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a struggle that happened 15 years ago. But, um, yeah, probably not that long. 10 years ago. And so, I don't know. I'm, I, I can remember that wrestling match then. And I think a lot of those questions were answered for me. Piper was somebody that really helped me through that thought process. Mom, I, know I what don't. She was thinking over there. <laughs> no. She was zoned out. I don't. I'm not a questioner. Yeah. I don't. I, I can take things by faith. I don't have to question them. So I've never questioned God's reasoning for, you know, killing people or having people killed or whatever. I just don't <laughs> overthink it. <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> I, I just take for granted what? that he knows what not he's doing. Overthinking. And, uh, yeah. I'm not a questioner. <laughs> uh, one, one statement leads to 32 questions for yeah. me. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what I told her on this. I, I walked off and grabbed one of my reference Bibles because I was like, okay, I got this looming question in my head. We'll get to it in a minute. It's there. That's why I'm just saving my yeah my conversation. So. Now, I had a Bible teacher in high school who she said her, her answer for everything was from a song. It was, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And I was like, I cannot live that way. No. I do not know how to live that way. Like, no. I need reasons. No. Um, which is why, like, Lewis is great and terrible because that's... C.S. Lewis is who he was. Like, he was a thinker and, like, he needed the answers. But at the same time, he makes you feel stupid when you read him. Yeah. But. Well, man, the statement would always float around of, uh, I forgot exactly how it was worded, but it was the idea that a person's with a testimony is more powerful than, um, it wasn't like theological truth, but like, you know. Than a person with an argument? You can't, yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't override somebody's feelings and their their experience, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, eh, but their experience can be tainted, yeah, and manipulated. Yeah. And again, grew up in a charismatic church. I know how to manipulate, and right. I've seen it. And well, we established in the enneagram that I don't like emotions. I like thoughts. So I'm I'm a cranial person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we got to move through this. So. We do. 
when the introduction is the short part. Yeah. I mean, the next, I didn't really underline much in these. The only thing I did was was uh, over on page 15 for us, but where he says the controlling question is, who is he? Mm-hmm. I, love, I love those statements because it's like, okay, I, I gotcha. So this is the question that I can right. write on every page. Yeah. Of when, you're, when you're talking, this is... This is the statement. I don't know, and it kind of back what we were just talking about a while ago on that last thing, though, where it kind of has this differentiation between God, between the Trinity. I mean, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, I don't, I just put them together. I mean, Jesus is the picture of God yeah, in human form. And yeah. Well, and that's just, in the introduction, he's establishing that as a question that we have. Like, do they relate to us differently? Because yeah. when you read, you know, God in the Old Testament looks very different than Christ in the New Testament. Um, so how do you put those two together? Mm-hmm. If they are, you know, if they are a one, but they're three. And then he goes into that conversation about, it's not about what Jesus has done, but mm-hmm. who he is. Yeah. And like good conversation right there. Yeah. So the whole, the whole point is Christ's heart. Yeah. Well, I put a bracket around... Um, a wife may tell you much about her husband, his height, his eye color, his eating habits, his education, his job, his handiness around the house, his best friend, his hobbies, his Myers-Briggs personality profile, his favorite sports team. Um, but what can she say to communicate his knowing gaze across the table for over a dinner at their favorite restaurant? And I put a bracket around it and next to it I put intellectual relationship. Mm-hmm. Who's my best friend? <laughs> Mom. (laughs) 30 years. Who's my best friend? Me. (laughs) Do you want an answer? Yeah, I do. I just wanted to see what your answer was. And who's my my favorite sports team? Yeah, what's... Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Go sports. Yeah. I I just suffered with them through the 90s. Yeah. That was, you know... Probably whoever's riding for track at the time. Yeah. Track always has a good team. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was your phrase last week mm-hmm. is intellectual relationship. Like the knowing Christ. Yeah. Apart, like is different. Knowing about yeah. Christ, but not knowing Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Any other introduction thoughts? <laughs> I, don't, I think it just ends perfectly with in italics who is he yeah summarizes it pretty well yep alright so chapter one the title of the book is gentle and lowly which comes straight from Matthew eleven twenty nine, where Jesus says I am gentle and lowly in heart and he establishes that's the that's like the only place Jesus tells us who he is, like his own heart. Everything else is what he's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I think we need to explain, because it does, gentle and lowly. How about it? <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to say it. She yeah, she didn't want to actually do it. Well, so, uh, read the. Okay, so. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who are who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you 
Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. So that's the... And then it goes on to explain that when, when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's talking about uh, what spurs you on, you know, what causes you to do the things that you do. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we're talking about with Christ is what is his heart? And he says, my heart is gentle and lowly. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I liked where it said... Um, the heart is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what we daydream about. And it was endearing to me to think that Jesus would daydream about me. Mm -hmm. You know, and and talking about relationships, when you're in a new relationship, you it's almost painful to be away from each other. You know, you like each other, you're falling in love, and you just want to be with each other so so much that when you step away for 10 minutes, you feel like part of you is missing. And um, I think it helps and it brings comfort to think of Jesus feeling that way towards us because he's not just sitting there waiting for us to call to him. He, he desires us. Please the ninety nine to go after the one. That's the one, just so general. The, <laughs> well, it's the Bible, but it's not general. I mean, it's literally saying that he desires each individual. I mean, that's the thing I take from that is it's like it's each individual, and it's the knucklehead that did wander around and got got lost and was distracted and 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 all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's comforting. They do a good job of uh, putting it in a way that makes us... Because, like, you can say the sheep thing, I've never taken care of sheep. <laughs> but I have daydreamed. So it makes Whoa, more sense. What? <laughs> <laughs> I have. That's how I got through high school. <clears throat> daydreaming. School in general. <laughs> Ethan, focus here. Focus. <laughs> See, I think for me, like, that's, even having read this book, like, that's the hardest part. Because I have said to y'all, like, I have never felt that way about a person. I've never thought, oh, man, a part of me is missing. When that part, like, I've never felt that. I remember I mean, you your first year of college. Yeah, like, y'all, but that's a, I don't know, it's a familial <laughs> relationship. Like, it's different. And that, and then that was more fear, I think, than anything else. Of It was the first time I'd been away on my own. But I've never... I'm not a romantic person. Um, yeah. I've said on here before, like I would identify as asexual and dad and I talked about that yesterday. Like there's also a romantic and I'm, I may be somewhere in there. Like I just don't function that way with people. Um, so to, to function that way with Jesus is just foreign to my brain. Like the idea of wooing or being wooed by Jesus is just to me. Romance is just feels trite. Like I just don't, I just don't operate that way. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're describing him in romantic terms as much as, you know, going back to the definition of heart. You know, the heart in biblical terms is not part of who we are, but the center of who we are. Mm -hmm. And like his, I mean, literally, literally his, his earthly existence, he was here for one purpose. Yeah. 
to seek and save that that which was lost. I mean, that was like that when when you say his mission statement, mm. like that was his mission statement. This is this is why the Son of Man came, was to do that. And so, for him to, I mean, there's it's you can kind of take the romantic side out of it, yeah, and say this literally is who he is, mm-hmm. and he woke up every day with that that driving him of finding you yeah and and introducing introducing his father to you <clears throat> and showing you who he really was um i think and this is i think it's easier to understand that love when you have kids that's going to sound like, well, you just say that because you have kids. But <laughs> but it's the first time in your life that you love something so deeply that is another, another person. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's not romantic love. It's like you look at their face and you fall in love. Like, it's just so transformative. And it, I think it makes it easier to understand how God can love us. I don't... Mm-hmm. Well, you're... From the day they're... One, I can't remember not having kids. Two, <laughs> they... From day one, you understand that they are your... At that point, their their whole life depends on you. Like, they don't know it, and they demand it, and they don't really appreciate it, but they cannot, they don't exist without you first, but two, they can't continue to exist without you, so there's this, I'm going to use the word burden, there's this burden that you've got to have me, but then, not only that, I desire to be with you, and, and I desire to even though I'm having to wipe your butt and do all this stuff for you, like I, I wake up and get joy every time I see your face. And I mean, that's, and, and there's also something in you that now without them, you're incomplete. Like you need them for a different reason, but like that's like your existence is not the same. Your exist, your existence before them doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah, when I think Dad just called us out. <laughs> we don't appreciate. We that. don't appreciate. That. <laughs> I mean, I mean, reality is when I heard the door rattling a little while ago, I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, <laughs> I've heard you guys when I. They're up. here. <laughs> and then when she, I was like, she said something earlier about like, yeah, basically we're going to be doing this every Sunday. It's like, are you kidding? <laughs> every week. Every. <laughs> okay, y'all are just trying to skim over the emotions here. I like emotions. I want to talk about them. Well, I think it like helpful for me because he does go in and break down the words gentle and lowly, and he talks about like gentle. He said the way it's used in this verse is it's only three other times in the Bible, um, and it's like meek and humble. Um, but the idea, like he he says, 
Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Yeah, I highlighted that. Yeah, that helps me with that relationship idea of there's no judgment there. It's just, I understand. Yeah. When um, Ethan was, I don't want to harp on this parent thing, but (laughs) it's who I am. When Ethan was first born, he... Ethan came in his own time. The doctor wasn't there yet when he when he came into the world. It was kind of dramatic. It's been dramatic ever since. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but when he uh, came out and they handed him to to me and Randy was standing there, I said, "Look at him. He really is beautiful, isn't he? He really is beautiful." And he heard that. <laughs> Took it and ran. <laughs> he doesn't let me live it down. But I think that's the way Jesus looks at us. Even though you're all squishy and gross, you still think you're beautiful. Slime. Your head is still cone last, shaped. Last, last night, Emily His and wasn't. I. Yours was. Last night, Emily and I saw a, a new baby on TV, and she said that baby's juicy. <laughs> <laughs> I like juicy babies. I like that. We Ethan was a juicy baby. Ethan looked like the Michelin man. We've been watching Call the Midwife, and they have all these newborns, and they are pretty accurate mm-hmm. on what they look like. And it's like, oh no! <laughs> like Bill Cosby said, "Congratulations, you have given birth to a lizard. To a lizard. To yeah. A, to, a, to, a, to, to, to a what?" <laughs> Have we identified that child already? <laughs> Lizard. Lizard. Like an alien or... Yeah. Yeah. No, newborn babies are not beautiful. No, Sorry. Not. Childbirth is gross. Yours is. When you have one, it is. No, it's it just not. is. Take Rose your word for it. glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Objectively, it is not. No. When we were watching Call the Midwife, Randy was watching... <laughs> Randy was forced to watch... <laughs> Called midwife. In between naps. Because he does not enjoy it. But he did say at one point, I don't understand why women keep doing this. No, I didn't. I don't understand why women would want to watch this knowing yeah. what they've been through. Yeah. And I said, because, because you get a baby yeah, out of it. It's like, I'm going to watch a root canal every day <laughs> to remind me of the root canal that I had. But that's how, that's how I feel about Jesus is why would he do this? Yeah. Why would he do that for me? Because he's gentle, which means he's accessible. Yes. On the next That was page. the lowly part. That was... is It, it it's so overlaps each other. Yeah, which they're very similar. They, their description is... He says that two. in there. He it says they says, overlap. It's very redundant. Yeah. It says they are the same thing. Yeah. It's just two ways of saying it. But lowly... But how often is the Bible redundant? Yeah. Well... When like, it is, it, 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 it's... It's emphasizing. Yeah, it's a part of the language. Like yeah. If they say it twice, but... Yes, but we need to hear it over and over and over again. Well, okay. But, but even with these two words, like, gentle does mean humble, but then with lowly, it's an even more extreme version of humble. Because yeah. he says it's not, it's humble in the sense of destitution or being thrust downward by life circumstance. And he uses the phrase socially unimpressive. So it's like gentle, yeah, is a level of meek and humble, but yes. then lowly is even more. Yeah, they may mean the same thing, but they have different, totally different connotations. Yeah, it's like 
inexpensive and cheap. Mm-hmm. Like it's two different two different ideas yeah. of the same meaning. Well, and if just working off those words, but okay, I can't talk too much because I got to get into what my brain's in. But I mean, to me, a gentle is a disposition, and lowly is a position. Right. So, like, you know, gentle is is how yeah. I am. Lowly is my position in life. Like gentle is how you treat other people, mm-hmm. but lowly is your identity. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which put him by their statement, gentle makes him approachable. Mm-hmm. Lowly makes him accessible. I guess that would be the two words. I don't yeah. know if they. I don't think they said it that way, but like that. That's that's kind of. I guess that'd be a way to sum it up where my brain can wrap around it. Yeah. And he does say, he says, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ, which is a crazy statement. Like, you are the son of God, but you are the most approachable mm-hmm. person in the history of the universe. Well, what was the statement? And I said, I told Alex about it yesterday. It's like the one thing that I did pick up from Call the Midwife was when they was talking, the one girl that was had the baby out of wedlock, but then they welcomed her back in, and she said, that these kind of situations put them on the, it's not outskirts. I forgot the word she used. I don't know. You know, yeah, but it puts margins, puts them, puts yeah. them out in the margins, puts people out in the margins, but isn't that where we minister? It was a, a, a nun that said this, but she said, because this girl, this girl had given, again, given birth out of wedlock, put the kid into a orphanage, but then welcomed her back in she was working with the nuns. The nuns, of course, being nuns, that's supposed to be bad stuff, and you kind of shun people. And I mean, I, but that statement just stuck out. I was like, "Holy cow, that is yeah. awesome!" Is it puts them in the margins? But isn't that where we minister? Um, and if you think about Jesus in the Gospels, like how much time he spent in the margins? Like how many people did he come across that everyone else in the crowd was like, "Oh, Jesus, we don't talk to them," and he's like, "Wow, is that who we should be going for?" You know, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and mm-hmm. the woman at the well and all of these people. Mm-hmm. Oh, the people he had problems with was the ones that wouldn't consider themselves in the margins. Right. Was the, to my struggle. Okay, so <laughs> I told mom earlier, I was like, I've got to be devil's advocate on this one. Yeah. Because um, it, to me, it's very important how you frame conversations. Right. Um, and the next part it goes into, and this time's in is he talks about the rest of chapter 11, mm-hmm. or really just the part just kind of leading up to that. Um, but he says who who he's talking to, which is a very important thing, a distinction to make, is, is who is it that this conversation is being had with? So when Jesus made that statement, he says that uh, those that are, who labor and are heavy laden, that's who, if you come to me, yeah. I will, I'll give you rest. I'm gentle and lonely. And then they go in and describe who those people are. And this is where I struggle because they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, who Jesus is talking about, what Jesus is talking about when he says those who labor and heavy laden, is he is talking to church people. Mm-hmm. He's saying when he talks about labor and heavy laden, he's saying, you're laboring because you've been given all these laws that you've got to follow. And you've got to work really hard in these laws 
to make yourself worthy to approach God. Mm-hmm. And it's heavy laden because you've got all this guilt and shame. And that guilt and shame, you don't have any access to the king. But let me tell you who God really is. Is all these, these mosaic laws, all of these regulations that have been put on you, that's not who God is. And that's not, that's not the person you're entering into this relationship with. You don't need all that stuff. You're coming to me in the margins because mm-hmm. I'm there. That's that's where we're going to meet each other. And the reason I and I and I was struggling when I was reading through that because it's like, okay, dang it, I don't want to start out the gate with this mindset. But but I think it's a huge distinction because people will read this book and they will take it as a how to as a how to add another re- religious obligation, right. how to add another weight on my life that will, will make coming to Jesus, even though he's this person, I'm still not able to get there. But Jesus was using it as a critique of none of one of those cliche sayings, but it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Like it's, it's his way of saying that it's, it's about you coming to me. Yeah. It's not about you going to a religious practice. Mm-hmm. Because then he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And times when he talked about yokes, he was talking about religious regulations. Yeah. I mean, it is very much a statement against Phariseeism, is really what it is. And, um, and then when he goes in in that next part to where he gives the... Or when they talk about earlier on, he's talking about Bethsaida and Chorazin and, and all of them. They were religious towns. Yeah. They had temples. But then he says, uh, it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, they were known as a cesspool. Mm-hmm. Like, they were the worst places. I mean, that was the place that God just wiped them out. Yeah. It was like, don't even look back at it or you'll turn us off. And, and so, like, it's a... There's an anti-religion statement that's being made here mm-hmm. from by Jesus. And so the beauty of that is is it, it removes all of that Bible Belt BS that we've had. You know? And I don't want it to be an anti-church thing, but, you know, if it needs to be, it freaking needs to be. Yeah. Like, how much of the stuff, even as American church, who is who can is free to worship any way they want, still pushes so many people out in the margins because they don't live up to a certain standard. You know? Yeah. I mean that's that's the part that to where I get fired up and I get excited about it and thinking about Jesus to where okay, wait a minute, where do we meet him? Like who is he? Mm-hmm. But also, where is he? I don't think you're disagreeing with him because, no. like, 22, he talks about, you know, the idea of an easy yoke is an oxymoron because a yoke isn't in and of itself a burden, but he compares the yoke of Jesus to a life preserver. And he's like, if you're drowning and someone's like, here, take this, and you're like, no, I'm drowning, I can't hold anything else, but it's literally what will save you. But religion is the opposite of. Well, you have to save yourself, so here's a bunch of stuff that you need to put on to save yourself. 
but it doesn't work. It just weighs you down more. Here's three steps of how to do the backstroke yes. while you're drowning. Yeah, I'm going to teach drowning. you how to swim while you're drowning. Mm. Like, that's religion. Jesus is a life preserver. Like, all you got to do is put me on. Oh, you drown. You just didn't swim good enough. Right. Well, and I think that goes back to before that when he's describing I am gentle. I mean, he says he is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think I think he's covering both sides of that. And it's, I mean, we're just at the beginning. Like, it'll get deeper. Well, that's where but... I flip towards, because there's a chapter <laughs> later on that's about, um, you know, I'm not yeah. going to read the back of the book first kind of guy, but there's a, <clears throat> like, chapter 20-something. Let me see where it's at. Because I clicked through. Uh, our lar- our our lawish hearts and his lavish heart. Like, oh, yeah. I need to go read that and see. Yeah. Because my radar is always up for law versus grace. Mm-hmm. That's I will I will focus in on that with a laser beam as soon as as soon as that conversation comes in. Mm-hmm. Well, and that when he when he has a life preserver analogy, he says, um, you know, imagine throwing a life preserver to someone, and they're like, "No, this is hard enough. Like I can't hold anything else." And he says, "That's what we're all like." Confessing Christ with our lips, but generally avoiding deep fellowship with him out of a muted understanding of his heart. And I think we tend to keep him at arm's length because it's like, I can't handle the work of a relationship with you when it's the opposite. Like, that's the easiest thing we could do. But we like to make things complicated and we want a checklist. Mm-hmm. And that's not at all what he's offering. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I say he's just there. Yeah. He, he is already just there. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything. There's nothing for you to do. Yeah. Except accepting him. So. (laughs) (laughs) Going to upset some of my friends. Um, So, does that mean, and this is just a question, not a statement, um, you got to raise your hand, sign the card, walk an aisle, say a certain prayer. No. Or be dunked or nope. sprinkled nope. or wet in any way all of those would be like physical symbols of that decision like you know to me baptism would just be a proclamation of the decision it's like it's like getting married like one you don't have to rent a hot air balloon and a sky rider to propose to someone like you that can happen just the two of you in an empty room like no one around to witness it the same with the decision to follow Christ. Like, nobody has to do that with you. It doesn't have to be a production. But then the marriage, you don't have to have a huge wedding. You could just go sign papers at the courthouse, but you want to proclaim it. You want to celebrate it. Baptism is just the wedding. It's not necessary. Y'all <laughs> yeah. know how I feel about wedding ceremonies. I don't like weddings. <laughs> it's, they're expensive and extravagant. A, a dog and pony show Yeah. that could we don't even need like every right. time i i do the document we generally will sign the documents before the wedding ceremony like i'll i'll and i tell them like the day of right before the the ceremony i'll sign it and it's like you're married <laughs> and then i just move on like i want to remove all the romance from your day <laughs> you, this was it this is it the rest of this does not matter as far <laughs> as the law goes yeah like as as far as the way the state of kentucky sees it mm-hmm. does not matter yeah you know 
Well done. Yeah, but I love weddings. <laughs> and the reason why I love weddings is because... Like the emotion of it. Yeah, you're I mean, celebrating... Well, you are making a public statement. Yeah. I mean, that's used to be that's what it was. But I, I got people now all the time, they're like, we're not even doing vows. No, that's not for me. It's not making a public statement. Because <laughs> I do not make public statements. Right. It is about celebrating. Celebrating a connection, a bond to people who are saying, we want to spend our life together. You know, we want to take this journey together. And... And I like to celebrate that. I like to celebrate their love. And I just think it's beautiful. I think that as Christians or whatever, we have just focused on those things. Instead of focusing on Jesus, we have focused on the things. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we do. I mean... No, you do not have to spend $20,000 on a wedding <laughs> to celebrate your love and your commitment. You do not have to do that. Some people think they do, mm-hmm. you know. Some people think they got to spend a fortune, but it's all the same. Yeah. It all accomplishes the same goal. And it's said in here, all you have to do is open yourself up to him. That's it. And I think in like in the Gospels, when you see Jesus getting angry, it's when people were adding to that. When the Pharisees yes. added to it. Like, oh, but you got to follow the law. And Jesus is like, is that really what you're concerned about? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Um, when he throws the tables and stuff. It's, yeah. You are adding a layer that I do not want you to have. Yeah. When I got saved, I was 13. And my mom made me do it. I didn't I didn't answer the call on my own. She said, you're going up front. Yeah. And that pastor said to me, he was taking me through the prayer. And he said, all you have to say is, Jesus, come in. And that's really all you have to do. I didn't have to do anything else after that. Mm-hmm. But gosh, did I take a journey after that. <laughs> Dad's making a Oh, race. I'm struggling over here. <laughs> I'm struggling. Uh, I'm just going to drink and listen. <laughs> you might as well go ahead. Yeah, might as well yeah. throw it out. We're only at 38 minutes at the moment. Oh, right? man. And we, I mean, we're already like oh, two yeah, pages we, from the end. Yeah, so. we, we, we pretty much covered it. We got the time. So, I'm not even going to touch that. Um, there's a lot. Okay, you like just did. To, you I feel just like there's did. a lot to unpack there. No, just be simple about it. What? What? You don't agree with it? Well, <laughs> I think that moment had nothing to do with anything. As far as... No, no, no. I'm not saying that moment okay. did. I'm just saying what he said... Was wrong? No, oh. has stuck with me. I got you. Like... I didn't do that. I don't feel like I surrendered my life to God that day. It plays a lot of guilt on me. (laughs) You know. You're welcome. But (laughs) it was the words that he said. Simplicity. 
Yes, it was so yeah. simple. Yeah. It was okay. just simple. Yeah. It was everything dumped on top of that that made it so hard. I think we talked about that church yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's the one you asked me oh, about. Oh, the one I asked about? Yeah. Maybe. Over on Cairo Road? I never went to a church on Cairo Road. Oh, your mom did. <laughs> uh, it's that same person. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, I, I thought mean, that was about the same time frame. I think growing up, the like I've talked about for a long time when I was a teenager, I thought maybe I wasn't actually saved because I couldn't speak in tongues. Yeah. Because we had leadership at the time that made it feel like, okay... You get saved, and then you get baptized, and then you speak in tongues. And if you can't do one of those things, like, it's not real. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to dismantle a lot of those things. Like, when you talk about deconstructing, I had to... That word was used. Deconstruct that Did stuff. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah, I Yeah, it's like, oh, I would have circled that. Um, I have really struggled. Yeah. I have really struggled for the past six months in picking apart all the things I've learned over the years. Yep. Like, <laughs> is it a thing or is it just something we made up? Right. Is speaking in tongues okay, something gotcha. we made up in our mind? Oh, no. Like, is that just, right. like, you know, but... but as a requirement. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, because of where we are, we have been so entrenched in church... For so long, now I'm starting to pick apart all the things that I have learned over the years. And I'm rethinking, like, is this real? You're asking questions. You're asking questions. (laughs) It's a sign of doubt. Yeah, it's scary. It it is scary for me. Because I'm afraid I'm going to cross the line and I'm going to be an atheist or something. (laughs) That's where my mind goes. Slippery. Now you this nope. This is an example of how mom and I are the same person. Yeah. Because I am the same way. I start asking questions and I start being like, oh no, I'm gonna psych myself out. Yeah. So like I haven't like sort of related. Alex and I really like the good mythical morning guys. Yeah. Um, and they have both gone through deconstruction and every year they do a podcast on their story of it. Rhett's is very fact-based. Intellectual. It's all very intellectual. I am afraid to listen to the newest one. Because <laughs> I'm afraid of how he'll, he'll influence my thoughts. Yeah. And yeah, I, I get See, that. See, I did all of that in middle and high school. Yeah, nope. I did that a long time ago. Like, I, I remember psyching myself out and thinking does this mean I don't believe anymore? Like, am I not saved anymore? I did all that 20 years ago. Because I, I mean, I've always, but I feel like we were in a place when I was a pastor's kid and I wasn't going to voice any of those questions out loud because I didn't want it to reflect badly on mom and dad. But two, I was afraid to give myself permission to ask all of those questions. Um, so no, it's not going to make you an atheist. <laughs> because religion tells you. That if you don't have A, B, C, D, all 630 whatever laws that that Moses had, then you're no longer a believer. Mm-hmm. You've got to check every single box. And if you don't check every single box, 
then you are no longer it doesn't matter if God exists because if he does he's mad at you because those 630 didn't matter it's the one that you didn't <laughs> yeah and so when you start asking questions that means you're no longer in the place of I just believed you just discredited what you said earlier on is you don't just believe you do question you're just afraid to because you're afraid of the outcome I'm not afraid of the outcome because I want truth and I will okay but where I think it's different is I'm not questioning him I'm questioning the things you're questioning him him because if you're not well him in the way of his motives and his heart Mm-mm. right but he is truth and he is so you have to question him but you're also saying that I'm afraid to question because he may not exist when I get to the end of it well I think because you're you're asking the question of is this real or did we make this up like all of that falls into your Jesus like the image of Jesus you have in your brain and right now you're pulling things out going wait is this Jesus or is this just something that the institution made well and they say that is uh, talking about that's why we have the Bible because yeah. if we don't have the Bible then the Bible is God telling us through the scripture who who he is who Jesus yeah. is then all we got left is a ourselves he says our natural institution in intuition can only give us a God like us mm-hmm. yeah so it you're not questioning who he actually is but you're questioning who you think he actually is and yeah. all your, do you have the correct Jesus in your head? well and back to that experience comment like experience can be manipulated. Oh yeah. And so you're questioning the experience. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, no. Hey, listen, I did it from the pulpit. You just, okay. Okay. Like that's. <laughs> I hate to say too much. Why? <laughs> you gonna offend one of us? Cause, yeah, for real. And then the three. I've already made the Baptist mad. <laughs> Do you remember, do you remember the service where we spent probably, I don't know, an hour and a half in the front of the church being prayed over, waiting for us to speak in tongues? Oh, oh, Brother Apple spitting in my face. Yes, right there in my face. And don't say names because those people were great people. He's dead. He's doesn't matter. Don't throw names. I'm not, yeah, I'm not speaking against those people, but what I'm saying I think he was is the most genuine people ever. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. What I'm saying is I'm questioning those things, those like, experiences. Oh, me too. I did not have to do that to be any oh, I, better. I puckered up as soon as y'all said the word tongues during this thing. I'm like, oh no. Well, that's just. I don't even I want mean, to talk about girl, that. Like, not even the idea <laughs> of it. Just growing up in a charismatic church, it was like you have to do this thing. Like, it's just one of the things. I thought it was as important as baptism, because there's. I have one specific Sunday in my mind where I think I was 12, and somebody's granddaughter who was about my age went up and prayed. To be able to speak in tongues. And I remember the pastor at that time praying over her. And he like he explicitly said, if there's anyone in this room who cannot speak in tongues and wants to be prayed over to speak in tongues. And I did not go forward. And I rem- 
it was probably totally me putting it on myself, but I remember thinking mom and dad are probably disappointed that I didn't go forward because I was standing next to you. We probably were thinking we didn't want you to. I don't. Like, oh no. I didn't know that. I mean, we've already established that I put a lot of guilt on myself. That wasn't real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, but I remember that moment of, oh my gosh, am I not really saved because I don't want to go up and pray for this thing. Uh Like, cause, and for me, it was more of, I was afraid I'd go up there and they'd pray and it wouldn't happen. And then what does that mean? Like, oh, I'm going to hell. <laughs> like, you know, and I didn't want confirmation of that. <laughs> well, I think in my statement last week about wanting to know Jesus more personally. Yeah. Like, that's the thing where I've been super cautious because I have removed emotion from the table. Yes. As far as, I mean, years ago I did this. I used to catch a lot of crap from actually some denomination, one denomination I was surprised about. Um because I wouldn't do, I don't, I never would really do altar calls. Right. I didn't like them because yeah. mm-hmm. because I I've seen them manipulated so many times, mm-hmm. and it's like I would rather have a conversation mm-hmm. like this, just sit and talk, where people can say, "I'm afraid to ask this question because I'm afraid once I get to the end of it, the answer is going to be that thing I fear the most." And I'm like, again, truth will stand. Let's yeah. go. But you're either going to have that question now or later. And I don't want you to have a false hope that this one thing that you did one day has settled all the questions. Right. Um, Again, I like conflict, and the conflict is inside of me through all of it. Like when I was reading this book, I'm like, I have a conflict with this statement that he made. You know, with this, the context of the the thing. I've got to settle that question. I've got to settle that conflict. When I got to the end of it, it didn't discredit the book. It really gave me an anchor from there as I'm reading through it. There's a filter that I can kind of work through Mm -hmm. as I'm reading it and thinking through that lens, you know. But if I didn't answer that question, it's the first chapter. If I didn't answer that question, then that's going to be sitting there in the back of my brain the whole time. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what the rest of the book says. Well, and to me, like, a healthy relationship is built on being able to question. Like you you like you have to question dad to understand him. Like, okay, what do you mean by that? Or when you say you think that, like what implications does that have? Like you you can't be married for fifty years and never have a conflicting Sorry. conversation. Like I know, but like that's the number people throw out. <laughs> I'm not out. fifty yet, Alex. She's fifty years that's old. That's the number people throw out. Like if you get to the end yeah. of your life, you can't and say we never argued. Like that's not a real relationship. That's a surface level relationship. And Jesus is the same thing. Y'all you're, totally argue. You're just right. I am just right all the See, time. She's just right. Y'all totally argue. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, we, we do. We, I mean, we know we bicker we as family. You bicker, yeah. We bicker, but we it's all it's we all bicker. The ultimate, like. If you value someone, you want to understand them. Mm-hmm. And if you value Christ, I need to understand who he is. I've had to do that with our relationship. I don't remember when it happened. But there was a point to where I was like, I had to just settle in my brain that she's on my team. Yeah. I think I told you that. That was a long time ago. It was. It was a long time ago. But I did. I had to settle that in my brain. It was like, she's on my team. She's not actively working against me. She's not trying to, like... I don't remember what it was. There wasn't any really anything going on. It was just, just those, those moments in your life where you just got to settle stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's just kind of the same thing. What they're saying here is like, Jesus is on your team. Yeah, and he's for you. He's not against you. So he's. 
this is the life preserver mm-hmm. analogy hit me like this. That's what church feels like to me. Another thing. Yeah. I'm exhausted and you want to throw something else on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it fe- that's what it feels like. And starting this book and reading this makes me feel like I I less guilty for not going. Yeah. Like it is not a requirement. It is not a requirement. I think about my dad so much because my dad, I never saw my dad in church. I know he went to church before and when I was a baby, but I never saw him after that. And I remember asking him once, why don't you go to church? And he said, I don't need church. God and I are okay together. (laughs) And and I didn't understand that then. I thought, oh, my Lord, he's going to hell, you know? Yeah. But I think about it now and I think he was on to something. I should have listened to him a long time ago, you know? That's where I am right now. Like, church is another thing that people throw at me and want me to take on. And I just can't. I just can't do it right now. Well, according to Granny, we're supposed to get you in the church. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I well, can't even get her in the grocery store. To me, to me, like, this is just as much church as anything. For me, like, getting back into church, mm-hmm. I hate that phrase, but I wasn't looking for church. I was looking for friends and I was looking for a group of people that I could figure out who Jesus is like yeah. I, I needed people to bounce ideas off of yeah um you know and that that was pre like I think for a while the four of us like we just kind of avoided talking about it well it's just too us. hard it you know too it's much. Just... so I needed a place outside of us that I could just like what does this mean what does this look like like Am I the only person experiencing this? And if and I I think if I feel this way, I am not going to put that pressure on you. You know, I don't yeah. have any right to put... It's been pressure, pressure, pressure all of our lives. Mm-hmm. I want to take that pressure off. Yeah. I don't want to add more. Yeah. So that's... I'll let you talk about it when you want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to... Yeah, probe you about it. You're gonna avoid conflict. You're gonna avoid conflict. Exactly. Mom is the <laughs> but I think for me, like it's that was immensely helpful hearing you question. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. mom has always been the you don't have to question it, just yes. believe. And I'm like, because I'm I, not a questioner. I know, but it, but you are. But you are. And you we're just proud are of afraid you. to say it. We're proud of you. Man, we made mom a nerd and a questioner. <laughs> but so like, many things have changed in my brain. I think. That was a kind of pressure of you saying, I just believe. Like, I thought... Yeah, I can't understand that. I don't understand it, one. And two, like, should I be more that way? Yeah. Like, how do you be that way? Mm-mm. But mom's not actually that way, so now I don't feel bad. Yeah. She's <laughs> avoiding the conflict. She was just avoiding the conflict. <laughs> it's it's like um, earlier this week, Alex and I talked about how there's a big push for D groups yeah. at our church. And Alex said... The podcast is my D group. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've got a, a pastor buddy of mine that, you know, we talk all the time. He's still actively, well, he's he has a church that he started, and it's growing. It's 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 a healthy, thriving place, and uh, and we'll talk about it from time to time. He'll ask me, and I've got other pastor buddies that reach out. I'll get a message every now and then. It's like, hey, man, found a place yet? Nope. <laughs> and uh, 
but he uh, he he's told me two or three times like you just need to start one. I was like I don't think we need another one. <laughs> right. I don't. Why do we need an, another problem? Because <laughs> um, if if the if I I truly believe if a a truly gospel centric group of people will change the community around them without even trying. Yeah. Just by their, just by being gentle and lowly, they will, they will change the culture because that's what the disciples did is they, when the government was killing them, they sacrificed their lives. Mm -hmm. They didn't go and protest and picket certain places and, and demand their rights, they they understood that the banner they was taking on was going to be a model of Christ, and they were probably going to die. And so when they had questions, they asked it because it was literally life and death. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was, for us, it's like, ah, I'll be slightly inconvenienced if I'm wrong. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I had to go do this thing every now and then and but I've never been I've also never been the guy the 10 steps to evangelism guy (laughs) and and I mean even this sounds awful because I'm totally going against a lot of stuff here but whatever like we hear the great commission but I I've never been the, we're going to get together and go out and preach the gospel. I've been the, as you go into the world, mm-hmm. preach the gospel. Live the reality that Jesus did live and he has changed you and you can live in the confidence of that. Like, you know, I didn't feel the, as wordy as I am, I didn't feel the, the necessity for words. I mean, my role in the church Early on, I felt like I had to, like we did the whole share Jesus without fear curriculum because I felt like we had to. But that was always just a, a plan to get people in the building. Um, but in reality, I thought I see the role of the pastor as preaching the gospel week after week. Like I, I, I always, I always liked the idea that people would almost not get tired, but like. I know that when I see you next, what you're going to talk about is Jesus really is the answer. Well, he really did come and die, even though I didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, like Paul's plan was to remind himself of the gospel every single day because yeah. we forget. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I've just always thought, like, going out and preaching to strangers is the easiest part. The hardest part is being gentle and lowly on the daily with the people that you see every day and they know you and you know them and you're sick of them. Like that's the hardest part and it's the most effective part, which I guess is what you would call discipleship. But it's, it's seeing my students every day and not exploding on them. Like Mm -hmm. that's the hardest part. And that's my witness is I'm going to be gentle and lowly with you every single day because Christ is gentle and lowly with me even though I don't deserve it, that's the most effective thing we do to me. 
Absolutely. is not just is not just going out and throwing out words and then oh I'll never see you again. I hope that worked. Mm-hmm. And and that's the whole thing of you you never wanted to do altar calls. Yeah. And it's because how many people actually respond that way? Or you just love them and they feel comfortable and they come and talk to you mm-hmm. or they talk to somebody in the seat next to them mm-hmm. because you've, you know, said something that made them aware. It's a metric of the church. Like, literally, it's things that in churches, the business meeting at the end of the year, <laughs> they can say, we had X amount of salvations and X amount of baptisms and X amount. I'm like, really? Yeah. Cause but how many of those people were this guy who comes up every Sunday and <laughs> answers the call because... Well, and... Mom's pointing at me when she says that because at a church I went to, we had a guy who came up every Sunday. Um, but when I asked about that, I was told, let him do it because it might break, it might encourage other people. Manipulate to somebody <laughs> else. It might to manipulate. Walk up. Yeah. yeah. Because if somebody else does it first, you're more likely to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's. That's a Holy Spirit. Well, and that's. Ethan and I have, con- have had conversations about worship before because he was in the. the band there and it's a light show and soft music to make you feel something and if you cry then we've won like it's Mm -hmm. it's totally emotional manipulation and that doesn't last yeah i had a pastor and i I talked to uh, a fellow musician about it last night i had a pastor ask me once if towards the end of his sermon when he's on his like getting to the the conclusion of it if i could hit symbols hard to emphasize his words (laughs) (laughs) and i was like no it feels dirty it's like being a salesman yeah i'm trying to sell you something (sighs) yeah (laughs) but all of that stuff is not real stuff well you know so this they say this is the only place that jesus describes himself Mm -hmm. and there's really only one true description of a christian in the bible there's only one place to where this is the adjective that is used to show who you are, and it's love. Yeah. I mean, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Mm-hmm. By this, everybody will know. Like, yeah. there's no questioning who you are is if you're if you love. Mm-hmm. And now, this is where some of the easy yoke. I disagree with the easy yoke because love is hard. Right. It is. It is really, really hard, and um, knowing what it looks like day after day. Sometimes, for some people, love looks different than it does for others, and and how you love somebody may be different, just based off of who that person is and what they respond to, their past hurts, their past experiences, like it just looks different. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It literally is the only, it's the law. You're yeah. like, this is the law that I gave you, is is love one another. Mm-hmm. And everything else, it'll all, it'll all work out if you do that. All that other stuff. Yeah. Something that um, Mackenzie and I talk about a lot is because we see a lot of patients who patients who 
have a totally different life than what we've seen or what we've been raised with. You know, uh, Mackenzie's the doctor that I work for and she's still, her parents are still married, you know, so she's, my parents were married until my dad died, you know, so we've kind of grown up in that traditional household, but there aren't traditional households anymore. So we see a lot of things that just surprise us because you kind of assume everybody's like you, mm-hmm. you know, I only know how I was raised and how we raised my kids and I don't live in other households. So I don't know what happens in their households. What I'm saying is this, uh, in the book, it says, this is why we need a Bible. Our natural, natural intuition can only give us a God like us. And we just assume that he's, he feels the same way we do. And he doesn't because we are sinners and he is not. And I, I have to constantly remind myself, like, that's how I think. That's not how he thinks. That's how I see myself. That's not how he sees me. Mm -hmm. That's how he sees people. I need to learn to see people that way. Right. I got too many thoughts, man. I can't. I can't right now. Well, we're we're getting way into this one. <clears throat> yeah. I I don't know. I think ultimately it's we love because he first loved us, and this is what does that love look like? You know, if you don't know who he is and how he loves you, you can't you can't put that out because you don't know what it is. Yeah. We gotta kill it. Yep. <laughs> well, There's is... gonna be off air discussion. So. <laughs> That is the first episode of Reads Together. Um, join us next week when we read chapters two and three of Gentle and Lowly. Able to do two Although chapters. we might have to cut this down to one chapter and episode. <laughs> so we're going to do this for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure yeah, it out. We'll see. That was our first one. That was the first one. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. If you have comments, concerns, questions about anything we've said or anything you thought about the book, you probably know us if you listen to this. Um, if you don't know us, uh, I think you can comment on certain We need an IG. Platforms. We need an IG. We need an IG. IG. They're, they're trying to sound cool. They need Instagram. Ethan's going to do that too. <laughs> they're, they're old people. I've got to say, I got one I can flip. Alex will do that. I'll do that. I already have two Instagrams. I'll do it. So, yeah. And leave a review in the form of a question. Whatever. Um, but thanks for listening. We'll be back with you in two weeks on this.